All right. Good morning. Thanks. My name is Craig Thompson, and I'm glad that you're here. If you are in the parking lot with us and you would like to, you can tune in on your FM transmitter at, or on your FM radio, rather, at 97.3. 97.3. I do want to thank um, all of our praise team. Mike Thomas has been leading that this morning, but uh, really stepping up. Pastor Kevin's on vacation uh, for a couple weeks, and so I do appreciate those of you who have stepped up to fill in that gap. Thank you so much for serving. It is always a great thing to know that uh, we can be gone and y'all don't miss us because uh, you guys do your job as a church, and I'm very grateful for that. If you have your Bibles, you're going to be in the book of Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to begin reading in verse 7. I'm going to try and not allow the wind to blow these pages. If you're with us and you'd like, I'm going to invite you to stand in honor of God's Word. I'm going to read to you, beginning in verse 7, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, all the way through verse 15. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. On the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years... Therefore I was provoked with that generation and said they, will, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, my brothers, lest there be any of you, in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin." For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that you would give us soft hearts that we may hear from you. Lord, give us soft hearts that we may hear from others. Give us soft hearts, Lord God, that we may be changed. Lord God, also that we may carry the hope, the good news, the power, the message of the gospel to the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. How's your heart? It's been another difficult week. The bad news seems to keep piling up. But Jesus is still the King. And I don't want you to forget that this morning. One thing that is increasingly... I cannot speak. It must be this microphone. Y'all have messed me up. Uh, and I do want to thank, we've got a front row up here this morning, and you guys are making life so much better for me. Uh, one thing that's increasingly concerning for me right now is to see the way that even Christians are looking at all the difficulties in our world and looking not to Jesus as the solution or the church as the hope, but instead looking to government to solve all of our problems. Folks, when we look across our world today, it isn't a Republican or a Democrat thing, a conservative or a liberal thing, a black or a white thing. I want to remind you that politics is downstream of culture. I'm often challenged for saying that. But let me just make a point. In our current culture, we've put all of our hopes, many of us have put all of our hopes in a political system to solve all of our problems. And in so doing, we're increasingly divided. We identify first ideologically and politically and necessarily divide with those, um, or, or along those lines with the hopes of getting our policies or our person elected into a position so that our side can win. But in so doing, I fear that we have hardened our hearts to the Lord, and we've hardened our hearts to our neighbor. 
I believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news of salvation that brings hope and healing to the world. I believe that the church of Jesus Christ is the greatest hope in this world for healing and flourishing. Under the gospel and in the church, we create a culture of community love and dialogue, but outside of it, we place our hopes in politics. And when we place our hopes in politics, we must necessarily tribalize and divide. What if instead of shouting at each other, we sat down together? What if instead of praying against our enemy, we prayed for them? What if we got really revolutionary and we no longer saw those who disagree with us as an enemy, but what if instead we saw them as a child of God with a different set of experiences or a different theory about how to best succeed in life? A child of God deserving of our prayers, our respect, and yes, even our love. How's your heart this morning? Mine's tired. It's tired. And a tired heart can be dangerous because when it is tired, it is also tired of listening. It's tired of hearing, tired of being hurt. We can harden our hearts and in so doing, we drown out the voice of God and the voice of others. We place our hope and our trust in government to fix us. But folks, God has a better plan. You'll remember that the theme of the book of Hebrews over and over again we see is that Jesus is better. And folks, what I want you to know is that Jesus is better than our current cultural moment. He's bigger than our current cultural moment. He's bigger than all of our, cur- our cultural moments. Even those cultural moments that supersede the, the present moment, even those cultural moments that seem to have lingered for such a long period of time, Jesus is better. And this morning I want to urge you, Don't harden your heart. That can be hard to do, can't it? Because when we see things going on in the world around us, I tend to latch on to those things that most closely agree with me or most feel feel most comfortable. I tend to drown out the voices that disagree with me, and I tend to cheer on the people that I like. Folks, can I tell you the greatest hope we have is the gospel, the hope, the message of Jesus Christ. The greatest chance we have for unity in our world is the church of Jesus Christ. Because the church of Jesus Christ exists to carry the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To unite neighbors together in love through Jesus Christ. And the church, when the church is doing what the church is supposed to do, rallies around three primary things. Love of God, love of neighbor, and the proclamation of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. If we get the love of God right, we get the love of neighbor right, We get the proclamation of the gospel right. Can I tell you that everything else will get right in the world around us? If we learn to love our neighbor more than we love ourselves, we'll stop shouting and we'll start listening. If we learn to love our neighbor more than we love ourselves, we'll stop being concerned about what I believe and I'll start being concerned about whether or not what I'm doing benefits those people around me because those things matter. But folks, if we're going to resist the temptation to harden our hearts, can I tell you this morning that we've got to make sure That we turn off the cultural voices around us, turn off the social media, turn off the news, and start turning on God's Word and turning on conversations with one another. And so the writer of the Hebrews says, don't harden your hearts. And this morning I want to urge you, don't harden your hearts. The first thing we see this morning, how is it that we can avoid having these hard hearts? The first thing that the writer of Hebrews tells us, I'm having a hard time keeping my Bible open. I, I switched to my TV preacher microphone. 
which is really cool, um, and, uh, but it, it makes it difficult. They, TV preachers never preach outside, apparently, because if they did, they would, wouldn't be able to keep their Bibles open. Maybe they only use a tele... I need a teleprompter. Can we get that for next week? Anybody? Tech team? Any, no? All right. Um, we're not having a teleprompter. That's what I'm picking up on. It, it, the writer of the Hebrews, the first thing that he says right here to help us to avoid hardening our hearts, he says, take care of yourself. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, he says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. You, there, there's an under, what, who, what is the object of this sentence? It is this, you do not harden your heart. It's understood. It's understood right there. When he says, do not harden your heart, it's not a general statement. Hey, somebody generally listen. Perhaps there might be something for you to gain. Don't harden. No, it's you do not harden your heart. Do you know that you ultimately are responsible for you? Don't miss that. You are responsible for you. And, and, and folks, one of the most important things we can learn in our culture right now is that talking about y'all doesn't fix anything, but looking in the mirror and talking about me might just change something. One of the places that we mess up is we read and we go, y'all don't harden your hearts, but here's the truth of God's Word. It's you that doesn't need to harden your heart. Look in the mirror. Ask, Lord God, how can I avoid having a hard heart? This is a command. You don't have an option here. You can choose to have a hard heart or choose to have a pliable heart. But you get to choose that. Don't, don't miss it. You get to make that decision. Take care of yourself. Take care of your response. Do you want to be the man or do you want to be God's man? You really can't be both. You either belong to yourself or you belong to the Lord. There are two options in this world, and folks, you've got to make that decision. So the first step in avoiding a hard heart is you take care of you. Take care of your responsibilities. You look in the mirror and you say, Lord God, I am responsible for the way that I choose to respond to you and to the world around me. God, help me to be the man you've called me to be. Lord God, help me to read your word with an open heart to be changed by it. Help me, Lord God, to look to my neighbors with an open heart to be changed by them. Lord God, give me a heart that seeks you above all else. Give me a heart that looks like Jesus, who had compassion on the crowds, but also was, was, was consumed with love for his Father. Take care of yourself. Second thing, take care of others. Now he goes on in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. He says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Verse 13, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, for we've come to share together in Christ. He says, I'm fine, I'm fine. He says, exhort one another. You have a responsibility to your brother and sister. Y'all, this doesn't fit within the, 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 the American, uh, let me back up. This doesn't fit within a modern Western understanding of the world. A modern Western understanding of the world says, I do me, I'm responsible for me. And I don't worry about everybody else. Now, it's not just that it's this way as it relates to perhaps the way that we would choose to, to manage our finance or anything else. The morality of the Western world it, it leads us in this, right? So we've adopted a morality that says as long as you don't do harm to others, it's an okay thing. And it's that morality that leads us to, to these progressive understandings, these broken understandings of marriage and sexuality, when the only morality that matters is whether or not I've offended you or I've hurt you, then understand, I'm no longer responsible for you. I'm only responsible for me. But here's the truth. I am responsible for you as my brother or sister. 
I've got a responsibility to make sure that it is the best I can. I help you to maintain a heart that is open to the work and the movement of the Lord. We need to care for our brothers. I can't control what you do, and I want to make sure you understand that. I can't control what you do. I have friends who have ruined their lives, and it breaks my heart. But it saddens me especially when those people have ruined their lives against the wisdom of sound counsel. It's so difficult to see people who run headlong into destruction with people standing on the wall warning them, this is going to end poorly. When people have stood on the wall and they've run away anyway, it's heartbreaking. Folks, I can't save you, and I want to make sure you understand. I can't save you, but, and, and you can't save me. But you have a responsibility to get in the way, if you can, to keep me from running headlong into destruction so that hopefully, prayerfully, with your interaction, I'll be willing to turn, to have my heart softened and to honor the Lord with our lives. We've got to take care and to exhort one another every day. How long should we do it? The Bible says, as long as it's called today. You don't get to go, oh, well, I did that yesterday. I'm going to take a day off. No, we've got a responsibility over and over and over again to go to our brothers and sisters, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ. And to say, be careful how you walk, how you act, how you live, because the world is paying attention. Be careful how you walk, how you act, how you live, because the Lord is paying attention. Be careful how you walk, how you act, how you live, because you have been bought with a price and set apart. You belong to Jesus. Take care of others. We've got a responsibility. We've got a responsibility. Number three this morning, take care of your actions. Now, we talked already about taking care of yourself. And so it seems a bit like we're splitting hairs if we're not careful. Tell you what I like. We are rolling through this sermon quickly this morning. Maybe I should switch to this handheld microphone all the time. Y'all might get out quicker. Um, uh, Take care of your actions. Now, we're, we're sort of splitting hairs here, okay? So when we talk about taking care of yourself, but but we get to take care of your actions. What I want to make sure we understand is that it's not just my mindset that can affect my heart. My actions have the ability to change me. You understand? This is why when it comes to us trying to pursue godliness or make changes in our life, sometimes I've encouraged some of you to fake it until you can make it. You say, but Craig, I don't feel like doing that. Right? Let's, let's just think about something as, as important but, but seemingly mundane as reading God's Word on a regular basis. You say, well, how, how do I get into the moon? You say, I don't, I don't always feel like it. Well, folks, sometimes we got to do it whether we feel like it or not. And then at some point, you do it long enough, you begin to feel like it, okay? It begins to change, it begins to affect you. But it goes the other way as well. Folks, when we give sin a foothold in our life, when we entertain sin, Sin has a way of working, infecting, darkening, blackening, hardening our hearts to such a way that we become, some degree, immune from even the sin around us. Now, we're not immune from the effects of sin. You understand? We're, we're immune from the, the conviction of sin. We're, we're immune from the, 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 the softened heart that God has called us to have. So take care not only of yourself, take care of your actions. We're told not to be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You know what the writer of Hebrews knows? He knows that we need to be reminded that we can be hardened even when we aren't trying to be. You know, arrogance is is an interesting thing, right? Because it's sneaky, isn't it? Some of you are laughing going, "Uh uh-huh, you prideful man. Look here, look in the mirror, all right? 
but, but it's sneaky. None of us, nobody wakes up one day and goes, I have become the most arrogant man on planet earth. You don't even wake up one day and go, I'm more arrogant than I was yesterday. Instead, our, our arrogance begins to show itself in the actions of our lives. How many of you have tried to do something that you could do 20 years ago only to discover that what you could do 20 years ago is not what you can do today? You've you, you been there before? Some of you raising your hands. Uh, me, y'all, I can barely walk today. Uh, I'm, I am so incredibly sore because I still like to lift weights the way that I did 20 years ago. And I still can, but you know, I pay a price, y'all. I pay, my body pays a toll when I do those things. I, I, I'm being reminded, I, I, Wyatt asked me if I would race him the other day. I said, oh, no, sir. He said, you think I can beat you? I said, I think that we're not going to find out. And I'm going to tell you why. Why? Well, my kids are with their grandparents. I don't know if they're watching this morning. I think they are, so I'll, I'll aggravate him a little bit. I think I can still beat him. I'll just be honest with you. It's going to be close. Like, it's going to be real close, but I, I, I think I got him. I'm not 100% sure. But there's a problem. I got this hamstring that won't leave me alone. Right? I, I heard it, oh, I don't know, three months ago. You would think that it would be healed by now. Now, when he said to me the other day, he said, you think you can outrun me? The first thought, I'm not, I lied to y'all. I said, oh, no. The first thing that came to my mind was, yeah, I can take it. That's the first thing. Now, I'm not 100% sure that I can. I think I can. Some of y'all want to set it up. You'll never know whether I do or not. Y'all will never, ever see it. I just want y'all to know that. But here's what I know. I know that there's this hamstring that gets me, and I'm really afraid that if I try to run with him, something bad's going to happen. I'm going to cut a cartwheel running, running down the street, and the whole world's going to see I'm going to show up here on a Sunday morning bloodied because my leg broke or something, and y'all are going to all make fun of me. And y'all are going to, yeah, the age caught you, didn't it? Well, listen, you can judge me all you want, but we're all there. We're all there. And, and folks, it's, it's not true, more true in any avenue than it is in our sin. We, we find ourselves being tempted and taunted in our activities, and we begin to go, I, I, could, I can handle that. I could do that. It's the danger for alcoholics, isn't it? The one that looks around and goes, I, I, can, I can go and just be around. It, it won't be a big deal. And then a, a few weeks later, well, it won't be a big deal if I take just a little drink or a little bit here. And the, and the next thing you know, you recognize that the arrogance the pride has, has plunged you deep into a dark place. But look, little at a time, our hearts are hardened. The book of Romans warns us about that. And, and the book of Romans says that the world it loves their sin rather than Christ. Why? Because their hearts have become hardened and darkened by their sin. Y'all be careful that you don't grow so arrogant to believe that you can't be lured into the hardening of your own heart. It begins one little step at a time. When instead of loving Jesus above all else, you begin to flirt with the sin around you. So don't just take care of yourself. Take care of your actions. Guard your heart. Guard your actions against sin. And then finally this morning, take care to listen. The writer of Hebrews says there, he says, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. That's the repeated refrain throughout Hebrews 3. Now, up to this point, I've neglected to actually wrestle with the historic background of that passage. The writer of the Hebrews in this place is, is hearkening back all the way to the Exodus. Now, he's quoting from Psalm 95, but Psalm 95 is a reminder 
of Exodus 17. And in Exodus chapter 17, the children of Israel have been rescued from, Israel, from, from Egypt. God has delivered them with His strong hand. He's brought plagues upon Pharaoh's house and upon all the land of Egypt. And it wasn't just that they were willing to allow them to leave. It got so serious, if you'll recall, that Pharaoh said, Look, you're not just allowed to leave. Go. Take everything you have. The people of Israel were giving them gifts as they left. We will give you whatever it takes if you will just leave us alone. I felt that way about 2020. <laughs> the, people of, the children of Israel saw God deliver them. They got to the Red Sea and there at the, at the edge of the Red Sea, they saw Pharaoh's army closing from one side. They saw certain death facing them through drowning on the other side. But then they saw the Lord God work through His servant Moses. And when Moses stood and spoke to the sea and raised his staff, the Bible says that the Red Sea parted and that the children of Israel walked through on dry ground. And I believe that as sure as I'm standing here today. The children of Israel walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. And once they had made it through, God caused the waves of the Red Sea to crash down upon Pharaoh's army as they pursued them. And God rescued His people from Israel. And God rescued His people from Pharaoh's army. And then as if that wasn't enough, God would go on and rescue His people from famine because He provided them manna and quail from heaven. And then we get to Exodus 17. And Exodus 17 reminds me of me and you and everybody else that's ever lived. Because by the time we get to Exodus 17, the children of Israel have forgotten all of God's good blessings to them. And they've begun to gripe and complain because they're thirsty. Now they've seen God deliver them. They've seen God rescue them. They've seen God feed them. And when it comes to a place that they're thirsty and they can't find water, somehow or other they begin to believe that God has forgotten them. Do you know how quick it is for us to turn and to forget our blessings and to accuse God of being our enemy rather than our Savior? Don't grow so arrogant that you believe you can't be there. We can all end up in that spot. That we forget His blessings and we focus only on the current situation. The only thing we ask is, what have you done for me lately, Lord? And there at the place that we know as Meribah, they began to gripe against the Lord and they began to complain. And there as a result of their complaining, God, God would curse them. They would not be allowed to inherit God's rest in the promised land. But God didn't utterly forsake them, did He? You remember the rest of that story? It was in that place that God said to Moses, I'm not going to let them die. See, the, the, the truth of the matter is God didn't bring them there to die. God brought them there to show His might and His glory and to rescue His people. And there in that place, God said, Moses, if you'll strike the rock with a stick, the water will flow forth. There it was that Moses delivered the people. Through God's Word. God saved them again. But it's in that place and in that picture that the writer of Hebrews gives us this warning. Do not harden your hearts. But he says this way. If you hear His voice. So this morning I urge you. Take care of yourself. Take care of others. Take care of your actions. But folks, listen. Take care to listen. To listen. Take care to listen to the Lord speaking. I wonder what might have been different if the people just shut up long enough to hear what God had to say to them at Meribah. Rather than saying, God, where are you? 
God, why do you hate us? What if they'd have just said, Lord God, will you send us water? What if they'd have just closed their mouths long enough to hear what it was that God had to say? He says, if you hear, if you can listen, don't harden your heart. Some of you today are going, well, I, I don't know if I can hear. I don't know if God would speak to me. This morning as we run toward this conclusion, I want to urge you to listen and I want you to know this. But God promises in Jeremiah 33, 3, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Do you hear His voice? Do you know His voice first? If you're hearing this sermon today, God's speaking to you. Now Craig Thompson is not the voice of God and I want to make sure you understand that. But this book contains God's Word from Genesis to Revelation. If you're listening today at home, or if you're gathered in this parking lot, let me tell you that God desires to speak to you and that's proven true by the fact that He's called you to this place. He's made it available for you to hear this message. God is speaking to you. Further, if you want to hear from God, call out to Him. Because here's a promise from God's Word. All who seek Him, find Him. The great question for you to wrestle with this morning is not, will God save me? Of course God will save you. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The question is not, will God speak to me? Of course God will speak. Call on the Lord and He will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. See, the great question for you to wrestle with is not, will He save or will He speak? The great question is this, will you listen? Will you obey? Will you be saved? Will you take time to hear? Is your heart hard this morning? See, normally hard hearts belong to those with stopped up ears. If you already have all the answers, you'll not have a heart that's ready for change. God, forgive us for those hard hearts. This morning I remind you, I urge you, take care of yourself. Take care of others. Take care of your actions, but perhaps above all else, take care to listen to the Lord. He has spoken to you. He's spoken through the created world around us. How can you look at the, scar, the stars above and not know that there has to be one in heaven who would call them out by name? How can you look at the world that He's created and not see? He's spoken to you through His created world. He's spoken to you through the church that He's used to communicate the good news of the gospel. He's spoken to you through Jesus Christ who came, bled, and died so that we might be saved. And folks, He's speaking to you today through His Word. And His Word rings true throughout the centuries, calling out to those who have hard, sinful hearts, Come, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Will you hear the Lord today? God's Gospel is clear. Repent and believe. Repent. Turn from your sins and your wicked ways. There is no salvation without repentance. There is no salvation without repentance. Will you hear? The gospel's hard to hear. The gospel says you are wrong and God is right. Will you hear? The gospel is the truth of God for salvation for all who will believe. The gospel is not culturally appropriate or popularly acceptable. The gospel warns us that there is no salvation in society or politics or within ourselves. Judges can't save. Supreme courts can't save. Presidents can't save. Only Jesus Christ is the hope for all the world. Only Jesus. So I ask you this morning, will you listen? Will you hear? Will you come? This world does a lot to harden us. There's a lot of things that happen in the world that can harden us. 
Folks, you get to make the choice as to whether or not this world will harden you or sharpen you. You get to make the choice as to whether or not this world will grind you down into something that's rock hard and unable to be penetrated or whether or not you will allow the Holy Spirit of God to take all that the world, all that your sin, all that your shame has created, if you allow the Holy Spirit of God to take it and to make it into something that is beautiful and usable in God's kingdom. You will have to repent before you can be saved. But can I tell you this? If you will turn from your sin and call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, He will guarantee to you an eternal life with Him in a real place called heaven. If you're in this parking lot today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're in this parking lot today, I, I want to I invite you to come. We'll maintain social distancing, but I'll be right up here when we sing. You want nobody to be looking at you? Everybody's going to look that way when we sing. You come up here, I'd love to pray with you. But perhaps this morning you, you, you say, Craig, I, I, I know that I belong to Jesus, but Craig, I've got a hard heart. Perhaps you, you, it's not always been hard. Maybe the, the circumstances of the world, social distancing for months, struggles in the world, riots, division, anger. Maybe you see that your heart is hard to your neighbor. Your heart is hard to the truths of the gospel. The hope is found in God's Word. Perhaps that's where you are today and you'd like to come and just say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I'd, I'd, I'd love to do that today. If you're at home today and your heart's hard, can I make this promise to you? Jesus will save you. You've not done enough or experienced enough or been enough places to keep God from loving you. He loves you. He wants to be your Savior. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you say, Pastor, I don't really know how to do that. Can I just tell you, it's not near as hard as it might sound. Pray a simple prayer. Lord God, I know I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Lord, I don't know all the steps that are necessary. You might pray. But God, I know that I'm wrong and broken and sinful. And I need you, Lord God, to forgive me and to change my life. You know, if you'll pray a prayer like that, and if you mean it from the bottom of your heart, God will work in your life. If you need help in making decisions of what that looks like, would you reach out to us, send us an email, make a phone call? We'd love to care for you. However it is that God may be working, would you trust Him? As we sing this morning, if you'd like to come and have me pray with you, I'd, I'd be willing to do that. I'll keep my distance. But can I tell you this? Distance that we may have, the Holy Spirit of God closes it. The hope of Jesus Christ is big enough, large enough, powerful enough to overcome all the divisions in the world. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we give you praise, glory, and honor for you're worthy. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord God, there is no chasm that you cannot cross. Lord God, there is no sin so black, Lord God, and dark that you cannot heal. Father, there is no divide that is so broken that you can't bring unity. Lord God, there's hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hope that's bigger than our politics. Hope that's bigger than our divisions. And Lord God, praise God, it's bigger than our sin. It's bigger than hell itself. It's the love of God poured out on Calvary's cross. We give you praise and glory and honor for you're the King of kings. In Jesus' name, amen.